You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today takes us to Illinois as we sit down with CAA Jen Doty, who serves as the athletic director at Amos Alonzo Stagg High School in Palos Hills, Illinois, near Chicago. Jen is a believer that leadership is influential and relational, and the fact that the title doesn't make you a leader, but rather what you do with it to serve your people that really separates the contenders from the pretenders. Let's settle in and get to know Miss Jen Doty. Miss Doty, we're so glad to have you joining Don and I for this episode of Hanging with the AD. Uh, we, we're recording this in the summer, and we can imagine you're so, you could be soaking up some relaxing time this summer. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So for our listeners, Miss Jen Doty is the athletic director at Amos Alonzo Stack High School in Palace Hills, Illinois. She has served as a Stag AD for just over a year now, and before that was AD at Joliet Central High School in Joliet, Illinois. Jen has over 20 years in education as a teacher, coach, department head, and now athletic administrator. But I'll stop right there and let her let Jen tell us a little bit more about her journey through this world of athletics. Jen, we like to start the show what we call the back of the baseball card bio. So could you take a minute, tell us what the back of Jen Doty's baseball or softball card might look like? Absolutely. You know, growing up, I was always uh, outside playing sports with the neighborhood kids. Uh, you know, oftentimes it was all the boys. Um, so, you know, we were we we're just playing baseball. My house growing up was like perfect. It was situated on a, um, a corner and the front yard was like a baseball diamond shape. So it was great. Like my dad probably didn't like it because we killed the grass a lot, but uh, it was pretty cool looking. Um, you know, outfield was like the street. So whenever a car came by, we had to say stop, you know, but um, just grew up playing sports, played uh, two sports at Andrew High School, volleyball and softball, and then uh, went on to play volleyball at North Central College. And then in my senior year at North Central, I actually tore my ACL. And um, my pathway was actually going to be an athletic trainer um, and a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. And then when I tore my ACL, I kind of got the, you know, I was sitting on the bench and I'm like, oh, I kind of like coaching. This is kind of maybe something that I want to explore. So I ended up not even uh, sitting for the test for athletic training, Um, but, uh, you know, went into education, physical education, loved it. I just, I love being active. I love playing sports and I wanted to impact others and impact students and and their love for for sports and athletics. So that's kind of where I was. Um, Coached volleyball, uh, head coach of girls and boys volleyball um, for many years, Uh, was an assistant coach at North Central for many years. When I moved into administration at Andrew, I had to, as an administrator, you couldn't coach anymore. That was one of the rules. So I had to give up uh, my head girls uh, volleyball coaching position and then spent 10 years as the division chair for PE health and driver's ed uh, at Andrew High School. And then at some point I was like, you know what, I think I want to be an athletic director. Like, I think I'm ready to move on to that, that pathway. And 
started uh, kind of pursuing that, actually got my RAA before I even was an athletic director through the NIAAA, um, and then just started interviewing for positions. Um, and I was extremely fortunate that Shad Hallahan and um, Steve Locke hired me at Joliet Central. I had gr two great years, um, but I had the opportunity to come back to my home district, uh, District 230, and uh, come to STAG. And so I, I took that opportunity. That's great. Jen, you want to expand a little bit? You mentioned that RAA. I know you have your CAA now, but uh, you want to elaborate on those two, or especially the RAA? I think it gets overlooked a lot, just uh, the importance of uh, a new athletic director uh, getting getting that certification. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Like I would um, highly suggest anybody get their uh, RAA that's involved in athletics. If, if you're an assistant AD and maybe you're not ready for the CAA yet, but part of the reason I got it was Rich um, Pajacek, who was my old AD at Andrew, was a CMAA. And so he was uh, telling me about how I can kind of get more educated in uh, education-based athletics through the NIAAA. And so I actually got my RAA. I accidentally got my um, middle school <laughs> one. <laughs> I didn't realize that I had taken the courses for it. So I was like, oh, okay. So... Um, I have that, but yeah, we're, I think it's great for anybody. It just gives you a, a really good solid background in education-based athletics and what you need to know and get you somewhat prepared for the, for the job ahead. Yeah, that's really good. That Rich Barton has told us on here before knowledge equals confidence, right? So it gives you the confidence needed to, to do the job. And I feel like we, we were saying that about growing up, but we're living like parallel lives there. My house, we had the largest front yard. And so it was a baseball during base, you know, during the summer, it was baseball field and in the fall it was football field. The street was the home run. You know, <laughs> you, like we had little brothers and sisters that had to like make sure that the cars were coming. You know, they that was their job. They couldn't play. They, we would put up, they were like cones. <laughs> you yeah. know? We, we were like, <laughs> sit over there and tell us if a car's coming. That's hilarious. Now, Jen, it seems that you're a ferocious reader, uh, as the quote that we have repeated on here several times. Not all readers are leaders, but leaders are readers. And and some of your recent reads, Hank 10 by Martin Rooney, Calling mm -hmm. Up by J.P. Nurburn, The 360-Degree Leader by John Maxwell, uh, I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt, uh, another Maxwell book, The Leadership Handbook that you did, among others. Uh, you stated a goal of 12 books this year, which it seems like you're accomplishing that in the first half of the year. Uh, is there one of these books maybe in particular that has challenged your leadership style or maybe one that you'd like to endorse for us to add to our collection? Yeah. Um, I like, I'm a reader, but I'm not a reader. Like I go through waves of it. Right. You know, yeah, me um, too. there during the school year, I, I, I can't read. I don't read. I, right. I can't find the, the Zen enough to read and comprehend. Um, and I've tried audiobooks, um, but I find myself as I'm listening to the audiobook, either my mind drifts off or I find something that I really like and I'm driving as I'm listening to this audiobook and I can't write it down right. or mm -hmm. highlight anything. So um, I do a lot of reading in the summer. Um, I like to sit out on my back deck. I live right on a golf course. So I, I watch the, the golfers come by and I'm, I'm reading. But I like books that kind of challenge me and help me grow. 
Um, and lately it's been a lot about leadership development, um, culture. Um, I really got turned on by John Gordon, the energy bus, uh, several, several years ago. And that kind of kickstarted my, my journey of improving myself as a leader and how I can grow and help others, uh, and serve others, right. Cause it is really about servant leadership. Um, so I, all those books are great. Um, I think one of my favorite is the culture code. Um, I can't remember the, the, um, author offhand, but that was one we did with our coaches at, uh, Joliet central. And it was, it was really good. And it just made you think about like what you're doing. Are you reflecting? Like, I think that's a huge opportunity that we miss in coaching and leadership is the reflection side of it. Um, we actually, this past fall, my assistant AD, Rich and I, we did AARs after action reviews, like the Navy SEALs do after every home football game. Cause we had something go wrong at every, almost every home football game. So it was like, what can we do to um, make it better for the next time, help prepare um, our event staff uh, and help it run smoother. So that was really good. I'm really liking the John Maxwell series right now. I'm reading a lot of that. Uh, the five levels of leadership is what I'm reading right now with him and uh, how you grow and how really leadership is not a title or a title doesn't equal leadership, you know, just because uh -huh. right. you're a principal or you're an athletic director or you're the head coach doesn't mean that you're a great leader. So um, that's kind of my goal for our PD work with our coaches is not the X's and O's. Um, I'm not here to tell you what, what play to run in football or anything like that, but I'm help. I'm here to help you grow as a, as a head coach, as a leader and really improve your culture of your program. Yeah, that's really good. You mentioned about intaking the information yourself there and how difficult that is if you're driving. I noticed that you do a lot of walks uh, as well. But, uh, you know, I kind of have that same same problem. You get on the treadmill or something, hear something great on a podcast. And, man, I, I don't have a way to write it down. So do you have any tricks to how you process and retain key information when you're in transition or exercise or something like that? You know, on my walks, uh, what I started doing was opening the notes section on my phone and I would just type in like brief little notes, uh, you know, go back. Like I read, I had a podcast listen from Maxwell the other week, uh, player versus pretender. And I loved it. And I just started writing stuff down on the notes as I'm walking, hopefully not veering into traffic or anything like that, uh, staying on the sidewalk. Um, but that's kind of how I've done that. Or I make a note, uh, to like go back and review, review this so that I know, um, I really like something in this podcast or audiobook that I need to go back and, and listen to. I'll tell you another thing that I started doing, I, I would open the voice recorder on my phone and just speak it. I would just, you know, like if I, if I had a thought or if, if I saw something or heard something, I would, I make a, it's, I mean, it's just, it's me recording my voice. Uh, and then I'll eat, then either email it to myself or that kind of deal. That's another way to do it. But I think that's, that's a good idea. I like that. Probably a little safer than what I'm doing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. I want to hear myself talk while I'm on the treadmill, but you can't hardly get three words out. So, um, 
No, Jen, you mentioned your walks, and, and Rebecca Moe talked about she has Sunday walks out there in uh, Seattle. But uh, you you call yours uh, your routine a gratitude walk, I think, and uh, I think it comes from the John Gordon. But you might have made it up before John Gordon. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> first of all, we have to say thanks for the uh, shout out recently of our podcast on your Twitter feed after one of your walks. We appreciate that publicity and, and appreciate you sharing that. But tell us about your walks. How does that make you a better leader? And can you tell when you miss your walks? Uh, yes, I can absolutely tell when I miss my walks. Um, I haven't gone on a walk in a while because uh, I have been having some um, back, low back issues, just pain, um, probably because I'm not walking enough, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. um, but, you know, I, that was one of my goals this summer was to really get out and walk more. Um, just around the neighborhood in the morning, just to kind of center myself. Uh, you know, I used to work out to lose weight. Uh, now I work out because it's good for me from a mental health perspective. Um, I found that out during COVID, like that workout in the morning sets my day. Um, so I really do try to work out every morning. Um, cause it does help me focus for the day. And it, it really just, it does put me in a better mood, those endorphins. Um, so I'm not coming into work tired or anything like that. So, um, but the, the walks I really enjoy around the neighborhood, just cause it's kind of time for myself. I've tried to do, um, I think it was either Rebecca who said she doesn't listen to anything. She just listens to the, um, to the neighborhood. And I'm, I'm like squirrel, what? Like I'm, I'm all over the place. So, um, sometimes I find like listening to something helps me, helps me focus a little, a little bit more. I've done it where I've finished a podcast and then I've just turned off my headphones and, and kind of walked. Um, but yeah, I, it just helps center and ground me, uh, a little more, um, and be thankful for the fact that I can go out and walk. Right. And that I, I have that opportunity to do that. Um, now in the winter, I don't know if I'm going to do that here because it does get pretty cold, uh, right. and, uh, dark, um, in the morning. So I, I'm a, I'm a chicken when it comes to that. I don't want to, uh, be outside when it's dark out, but, um, or walking, I should say when it's dark out. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to kind of continue that because it does, it does kind of center me a little bit more. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, just to kind of expand on that a little bit. You talk about the centering that that walk uh, centering you and, and calming you down. It, has there been a time where something happened at school, sitting there in your office, uh, 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 something comes across your desk, or an event happened to where you say, "I just got to get out and go walk and and kind of deal with that and think through it in the in the heat of the moment." There. Yeah, you know, I think there's, I've always done this when I was a division chair for PE Health and Driver's Ed. Like anytime I was feeling stressed, I would just get up out of the office and just walk around the building. And I would go to our um, adaptive PE class um, because uh, being in that environment, and I taught that class. So I, I that was my favorite class of the day. Um, they're just, happy to see you, you know, they're excited to be there and you're, and you're playing all these games and stuff. Um, and it just puts me in a better mood. So whenever stuff kind of gets, uh, I always say like my stress level is a McDonald's Coke. Like if I got a McDonald's Coke, like, you know, it, 
that something is stressing me out. Uh, <laughs> probably not the healthiest route to go. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, yeah, just getting up out of the office. I can't think of anything like too particular. Um, but yeah, just kind of getting out away from the computer. I feel like we're glued to the computer sometimes and uh, to the email. So even though I'm not in charge of any classes, like I'll pop into classes, um, PE classes specifically, just because I want to get out of the office or I go visit people during lunch or, you know, I, I go to a lunchroom or in between class periods, I'm always out in the hallway, um, you know, just kind of connecting with kids too. Cause I think that sometimes we lose that in our, in our positions. Yeah. I think Josh and I were just talking about this before we got on the, the, I was reading uh, the book Atomic Habits and he was talking about in that book that just doing something, you know, and he was talking about physical activity, but you could apply it to really anything, but just doing something is that you get you, there's a 50% gain by doing something, even if it's not much, or even if you don't do it well, it's a 50% gain as opposed to doing nothing and going backwards 33%. Well, that's an 80% swing there. And all you had to do is get up. All you had to do was just go and do and decide to clear that desk rather than not clear the desk. And, you know, I think you can, you can kind of really expand that a lot. So I think that that's, that, that's great advice that you, that you just gave. That was actually my first book I read this year was Atomic Habits. And he talked about habit stacking. And that's where I got the goal of 12 books for the year. Mm -hmm. um, and like before I would work out in the morning, I would waste time like scrolling through social media and stuff like that. So I said a habit because I, I had a hard time reading at night. I was trying to read at night and I just, I was too tired. Like I couldn't focus. So um, I did a goal of a chapter before I got my workout in. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't scroll on social media. I would read a chapter in the book and that kind of helped me read more. Um, so I, I love that book though, for that yeah. reason. That's a good idea. Now, if, our math is correct based on your LinkedIn page. You've been, you know, I think you mentioned this a little bit in coaching and teaching ranks for over 20 years, uh, mm -hmm. but only a handful as an athletic administrator. And mm -hmm. so what is the key for making that transition from longtime coach to leader of coaches? We're going to have people that are listening to this and they've coached for what some would say a career, and now they're going to move into the, the AD role. What helped you successfully navigate this transition? You know, one of the advantages I think I had was I had spent 10 years as an administrator mm -hmm. um, prior to becoming an athletic administrator. So um, I kind of feel like I got all my bumps out during those 10 years. Uh, apologize to that staff for the first couple of years. Um, <laughs> but I grew, right? You know, just as True. you are a beginning teacher, like I always say, I apologize to those beginning students I had because I learned so much as I've gotten older. But I would say like, it's difficult and you have to, you have to focus on leadership and leadership is influence and it's relational, you know, and I always say, check your ego at the door. Um, don't, don't come in like Miley Cyrus's song, wrecking ball. Like don't come in like a wrecking ball. You can't come in like, you know, everything and you're going to tell, tell them what to do. You really have to kind of get to know them as a person. One thing we stressed with our coaches this year was person over player. Like these student athletes are a person over the fact that they're, you're a volleyball player or you're a tennis player, like get to know the person. Um, 
because that's where that authenticity and that relationship builds. And then you're building trust um, because you, you can't get anything done unless you have that relationship and that trust. So that's really where we kind of started. So that would be my advice to, to first time, you know, athletic administrators transitioning is don't come in like you're going to, you know, burn down the house, like really get to know the people, get to know them as a person over, um, over a coach. Like one of the first things I did here was I met with every head coach and asked them about their personal lives. Like, I don't want to hear anything about how you coach or anything like that. Tell me about you. What do you, what excites you about being here? Like, what do you like to do outside of here? Stuff like that. So it's really kind of getting to know them. And I found that that, that really kind of helps form that relationship. Like I spent a lot of time on that, probably more than the X's and O's of being an athletic administrator. I think that that's really good advice because just because you're coming in there and it's someone new in that position, it doesn't necessarily mean that that place is broken, right? Correct. There's probably a lot that is a lot more that's right than is wrong. Just lean into that. You know, I think that's, that's good advice. Yeah. I always asked, I said, what's, um, one of the surveys I did, first of all, was like, what is your sacred cow? Like, what is something we can absolutely not get rid of? Like, because I, I am not going to be the one that takes down that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And then like, what is something that you'd like to have us improve on, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, and that's huge. Like the one thing they said about stag was the parade. There was a parade at homecoming. They're like, don't get rid of the parade. And I'm like, well, thankfully I'm not in charge of it. So somebody else is in charge of that. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, it's, it's getting to know them and talking and communicating. Like, I don't feel like there's, there's stuff you can communicate through email, but there's, there's nothing like that face-to-face interaction and having, it stinks sometimes, but having those hard conversations, Mm -hmm. but oftentimes like it's because of miscommunication, right. Or lack of communication. Right. I think you said something good there. Kind of Don hit on too a person who takes over as a head coach is probably going to try to put together a staff that, that, you know, from the ground up or, or maybe change over a staff, whatever it is. But when you make that transition to athletic administrator, you can't change over that whole staff at once. Like you can as a head football coach or whatever, you, you've got to take who you have and, and mold them and get them to fit your culture and the culture you want to build. And, and all that stuff you talked about is a great way to build that culture. So that's really good. Really, really, really good stuff. If you're a new transitioning athletic administrator, and even for the, uh, the ones of us who have done it a while. So Jen, let's talk about um, high five Friday. looks like something that's really fun. Uh, just curious, where did it originate? How does that one act to permeate the school building? Is it more than just a social media post? Tell us about High Five Friday. Yeah. um, You know, it started as Dance Party Friday when I was uh, the division chair for PE. Um, We would just do Dance Party Fridays and uh, we'd get out the boombox, get out the music and we'd dance in our office. And then it started to dance outside the office and then we would move around the school and you know, at the three o'clock bell, that's when it all happened was, um, you know, we just started giving high fives. And then 
it was, uh, it morphed into like final exams, uh, on the final exams days, as the kids were coming in, in the morning, giving them high five, wishing them good luck on their, on their final exams. And then it kind of morphed into every Friday is high five Friday. Um, and this was all at Andrew high school. Um, and there was Fridays when I was by myself, you know, and that was okay. Uh, but then there was Fridays where kids wanted to join in and give up each other, um, high fives as they were walking in and, you know, we do high fives or fist bumps. And if nobody wants a high five, it's okay. Like, you know, they just don't raise their hand. It's, it's all good. Um, and it just kind of grew. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool because I was able to take it to Joliet and the first time we did it and we have music that plays during that time. But the first time I did it at Joliet, I think the people were like, what is going on here? Like this was, you're insane, you know? Um, what was, what was cool was Andrew had still done it. So I, I feel like that, that's something that isn't, isn't mine. It's ours. And it continued, it was a culture builder at the school that continued on, even though I had left, which was super cool. Um, and then COVID hit, right. And so we couldn't do high five Fridays anymore. Um, some of my friends, tease me that I originated COVID with the high five, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's your fault. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we just started, I started it at stag. Um, but it was more of like, it wasn't at the beginning of the day or anything. It was just throughout the day. It was like, you know, I stand out in the hallway and kids are like, Oh, it's high five Friday, Miss Doty, you know, and like, you know, and we just give high fives and it's just a way to kind of meet people and get to know the kids and spread positivity throughout um when it's it can be so negative and heavy and sometimes like just giving a high five or saying hello um and greeting a kid or a staff member sometimes too is just what they need for their day um so it's it's morphed into that um i've had people ask oh can i do this at my school i'm like yeah i don't care I, you do you do you boo you know like right, i yeah. love it um it's just, it's a way to just spread positivity and, and positive vibes. And like, everybody needs some encouragement sometime. And that's kind of what it's about. And the thing about that is for some of those kids, it may be the only time all mm -hmm. day long that somebody has, I don't, want, I don't know if compassion is the right word, but connects with them, you know, yes. uh, and, and you never know who those kids are uh, a lot of times. And so I think that that's, that's great. We had, we used to have eighties, eighties music. Fridays in the cafeteria. And when we first did it, it was just because we wanted it. The, the <laughs> admin team wanted it because we were like, this will be great. Next thing we know, like the kids, they completely bought into it. They was, they would like dress in 80s stuff on Fridays. It was, it was pretty cool. So just finding those little things is, is neat. Now, speaking of those things, uh, we're kind of anxious to uh, talk about the charger athlete leadership camp uh, that you, you guys are going to, going to do found this on online, uh, very intrigued. Maybe could you spend a few minutes talking about the planning of it and maybe the purpose behind it? Yeah. So, um, I forgot about this earlier, but I think I was still at Andrew at the time. And, um, we identified that like kids don't know how to be leaders, right? We ask them to be captains. We ask them to be leaders in our school, but we don't teach them how to do it. We just assume that they know how to do it. So at Andrew, we started this uh, TNT program, T-Bolts in Training, 
And um, we got a grant through our foundation, our local foundation, um, and we targeted sophomores. Uh, and it wasn't just athletes at that time. We tar- but we targeted sophomores because we feel like the sophomore class is like the the missing link, right? Like freshmen, we're all worried about them adapting. Juniors is all about testing, and seniors is like out the door type of thing. And that sophomore group really is gets lost in the mix. Um, so when I, when I came over to STAG, one of the things that we really wanted to do was like a captain's club or, or something like that. But through some of the stuff I did at Joliet, uh, and that TNT program, we really want to focus on not specific kids either. Like I wanted to open up to anybody who wants to be a leader because just, just because you don't have the title of captain doesn't mean you can't lead your team. Um, so that's kind of how it morphed into, um, and we're, we're really focusing on what are your values, um, in the planning stages right now, cause it's, it's going to happen, uh, in a few weeks. Um, what are your values and what do your values mean to you and how do you influence others and how, how do you receive, um, criticism from others too? So we're kicking it off in August, um, at that at that camp, but it really is going to be a year long thing, um, that we would like to do, um, and kind of promote leaders. Now I'm just doing it here at Stag. I'm just focusing on athletes. Um, but maybe in the future we'll, we'll open it up to the student body as well. Um, once we get a hold of it, but it really is just teaching others how to lead, which I think we don't do enough of when, people move into a head coaching position either, you know, we just kind of throw them in, you know, feet first into the deep end type of thing. And and so we started a mentor program for, for our head coaches this past year, which was very beneficial, but even as, as you transition to an administrator, right? Like whether it's an athletic administrator, division chair, principal, like nobody teaches you how to lead like you either have to read books and improve on it or just you know cross your fingers and hope for the best so um i think that that's kind of my goal with that leadership camp is to help promote leaders within our community so that's good you know you talk about we talked about stacking habits and 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 improving the more i learn about a subject or a topic the more i recognize i don't know enough about it Right. And the more leadership experience I gain, the more I realize that I would benefit from more experience. So there's really no finish line when it comes to improving. We've talked about John Maxwell on here. He talks about uh, this. He calls it layered learning. Each time that we learn a new lesson and we connect it with the many things that we've already learned on that same subject, we gain depth. And that gives us kind of more of that bigger picture. What area or topic do you think ADs need to lean into right now? Maybe it's something that they've got experience with and they may have knowledge of, but it probably deserves a second look. Yeah. You know, I, I remember during my interviews, I, I talked about, there's like two sides of being an administrator, whether it's an athletic administrator or principal, whatnot, but there's the management side and then there's the leadership side and the management side is like your day-to-day tasks. It's scheduling. It's, you know, making sure the buses are here and, and all of that stuff. But the leadership 
side is growing your people. Um, and I'm a firm believer that as a leader, my job is to grow other leaders, is to find the potential in each and every one of my coaches or my teachers um, and help them if they want to go to the next level um, with their career. My job is to help them get there. And not by telling them what to do, but to be you know, guiding them, working with them, giving them experience of, hey, this is what it means when, when I talk about a budget. Uh, this is what happens when we have to, um, you know, shut down a gym for, for whatever um, and how we, how we adapt. So you have your management side and your leadership side, but the leadership side is where I think most people lack. Um, and that is growing your people. And that is providing professional development for them more than just going to clinics, right? They all want to go to clinics and learn, learn about the next best thing in their sport. But it's really about growing them as leaders so that when they want to move in their career, that they can do that. So um, that is my goal. I, I believe that as a leader, we it's our responsibility to, to do that and to provide opportunities for not just our head coaches, but all of our coaches um, to learn and grow and, and see where they want their career to go. Not everybody wants to be a head coach. Not everybody wants to be an administrator. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't serve them and you, you can't guide them along the way and give them an opportunity to kind of work with you and kind of learn about the ins and outs of everything. Um, so I think that as a whole, like not just necessarily in sports, but like in education and in, in life, we don't grow leaders. We need to grow people. Um, and I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for that. Um, I think that's something that we definitely lack in, in our business. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I love the line. We need to do provide more PD than going to clinics. We think a lot of times, especially from the old coach, if I go to clinics and sit and learn, I'm going to get a lot of uh, professional development. But uh, you're right. We have a responsibility there. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Miller. He's another author, kind of a John Gordon kind of guy, writes in parables and stuff. And he has a book called Great Leaders Grow. Uh, it's really, really good book there. But uh, you're right. We, we, we have a responsibility to grow our people. Jen, let's talk about uh, event management. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that during a basketball game last season, it looks like y'all made the move to uh, all digital ticketing through GoFan. Mm -hmm. And you might have made that move earlier. I'm not sure. I just looked like that one game uh, on that social media post looked like y'all went all digital there. Uh, we've done that. Uh, we're big fans of GoFan, but uh, you know, not here necessarily to endorse one company, but uh, love them and also love the all digital ticketing more than anything, though. But it also looked like in that social media post, you had to make a decision to not allow students from a non-participating from the non-participating mm -hmm. schools to attend the game. And even younger fans were directed that they had to have an adult with them. Now we know that some decisions are isolated and specific to a, a current climate or a circumstance or whatever. So don't feel like you have to respond to that particular situation or game here in this question. But can you talk about some of the keys that you go through when hosting large-scale high school athletic events? Yes. Um, so we, at Joliet Central, we were all digital tickets, um, and it was great. I loved it. <laughs> I never yeah, thought absolutely. I would really like it, but it was it was fabulous. So um, when I came to STAG, we were experimenting it 
with it. We were thinking, well, are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? And then we decided in the winter that we were going to do this. And at STAG, we decided all or nothing. We're going to teach people how to use the digital ticketing. If they don't know how to use it, we're going to show them how to use it on their phone um, so that this year it's it's smooth. And it really did go well. At Joliet, when I was there before, um, they had just started using GoFan. Um, and I think they were one of the few schools in the state of Illinois that was using it. Um, so it was very foreign to a lot of our competitors, you know, they, the parents weren't used to digital ticketing, anything like that. Um, with COVID that switched everything, right? Everything right. went digital. So it's a lot easier now because parents understand how to use uh, digital ticketing, even grandma and grandpa know how to use it, which That's is, right. which is good. So uh, the decision to restrict uh, who's coming in and stuff like that really was um, we had some issues in the, in the fall during football, where we had, we were spending all of our energy managing students that weren't even not at our school, but they weren't even at the opponent's school. Um, They just came because they're in the neighborhood or whatever. And they were the ones that were causing a lot of our issues. So that's why we kind of went to that uh, because we're like, no, this is an experience for the two schools that are playing and not for you to come in, come in and, and, you know, cause a ruckus or, or whatever you want to say. Uh, the junior high thing was, um, that's been a guideline that STAG has instituted for several years now. Um, because again, it was, it's, you know, Friday night, it's dropped the kids off, you know, for two bucks, it's free babysitting. But again, you're spending all of your time and energy wrangling, (laughs) um, kids that they're excited to see each other. Right. And they're, you know, they're not with their parents and stuff like that. So we kind of take that with a, with a grain of salt too, but yeah, it's no, you have to be with your parent or with a parent. Um, because if something happens, we need to be able to go to that parent and say, Nope, they need to sit with you. If you know, if we have another incident, we're going to remove them and you from the, from the contests. So, um, that's kind of where some of that stemmed from. I know we want everybody to come in, right? But we also need to make it an enjoyable and safe experience for not only our school, but who we're competing against and their fans. So that's kind of why I think it kind of went that route. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Uh, you got to think about your opponent and their and their fans and make it safe and fun for them as well. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes uh, the trouble, the the, the, what you bring with you is not worth the $5 that you're bringing with you. So uh, we, we don't need your $5 and your problems. Uh, we'll take your $5, but not your problems. And if you can bring your problems, uh, you can stay at home. So, or you can, or you can go back home. Right. So uh, I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, we, we want as many people there as we can to make that experience fun. But as soon as the wrong people start coming, it's time to make some new policies for sure. Yeah. So, good. All right, Jen. So um, it's the 50th anniversary of Title IX. I think we would be remiss to not ask about this groundbreaking legislation that was signed in 1972. You know, previously on other uh, episodes, we mentioned the Dream On special that ESPN published this year that highlighted uh, the huge discrepancies in women's athletics by um, 
following around the 1996 U.S. women's uh, national team there, basketball team. You recently retweeted an interview with Michigan softball coach Carol Hutchins where she talked about what Title IX had meant to both her to meant to her as both an athlete and a coach. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on this legislation that we celebrate this year and how it continues to pro- provide better opportunities uh, going forward, maybe into the next 50 years? Yes. Um, I think, you know, I was fortunate enough where when I grew up, I, I don't necessarily think I saw a lot of the discrepancies. Um, so even in college, I don't know that I, always saw the discrepancies. I mean, there, there are some there, but I think it's important for, for us to realize like how important that legislation was because I would not be, um, an athlete, a female athlete. I would not have been a coach. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be sitting in this chair had that, uh, legislation not passed, you know, and I think that's important. Um, you know, I, a, a college um, student recently interviewed me this past school year, and she said she picked me because she wanted to interview a female athletic director. And I, I don't think I realized um, how important representation matters until she said that to me. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Right. Um, and then I'm thinking back and I'm like, well, there is a few, but not a lot, you know, and and like currently I'm the only female with athletic director within our conference. So it does matter. Repre- representation does matter, you know, whether it's, you know, female, male, a person of color, you know, a different ethnicity. Like, I think it matters to show people that you can, you can do anything you want. And that's where that legislation means a lot to me. Um, because I don't, I don't believe it's very hard to get into this business. I mean, I interviewed for four, four years to become an AD. I, I feel like I honed in on the interviewing piece, right? Because <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I had interviewed so much, but, um, it was, it was just, it used to be that good old boys network. Right. And it's right. slowly, and it's not to say that there's not pockets of that still, but I never felt disrespected by my counterparts. Like they're great. They're fabulous. Um, and they respect me and they, they want to hear my opinion on stuff. So, which I think is, is very good because it wasn't like that 50 years ago or even 20 years ago, probably. Um, so it's important for us to teach our young women that and how that we can't take that for granted. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I thought the analogy that the coach Hutchins gave comparing Title IX to a speed limit sign was great. You know, saying that if you take the speed limit sign down, that people are going to go as fast as they want to go, uh, and that Title IX helps to keep that balance in check between the opportunities that were given to men's sports as opposed to those opportunities that maybe are needed for female sports. I thought that that was a great point, and that that piece was great. I, I, I appreciate you putting that out there for us. Absolutely. You know, I try to also like. Think of that in relation to how much time I give to all of our sports. Like we have 33 sports here at Stag, you know, and the the cross country team is just important as is the football team. And sure. I want them to feel that. I want them to feel that equity. And I think that's that's very important to me. Just because you're not one of the sports that brings in money to our school doesn't mean that you don't matter. 
you matter. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good practice to follow. I always try to see every one of our varsity teams play at least once. Um, and, and as you know, that gets tough with swim and gymnastics and golf because they're off campus at, uh, at some different venues. But, uh, you know, I think I think that is very important. I know your your athletes and your parents and community and coaches I appreciate you seeing that uh, seeing them and, and making it equitable for sure there. So, hey, Jen, thanks for sharing so much with us. So many tips and strategies. I'm looking forward personally to uh, catching back up with you and finding out about that athletic leadership camp, uh, something I want to implement here. But uh, you gave us a lot. We appreciate your thoughts there on uh, Title IX as we celebrate this big anniversary here in 2022. And now we're going to get to know you a little bit better with our two-minute drill, and Don's going to start us with that. All right. (laughs) All right, Jim, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. You want us to tell us first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. What was the first job you ever had ever? Uh, lifeguard and swim instructor. Mm, another lifeguard. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What is something you were afraid of until you did it and realized it wasn't that scary? Becoming a, a leader, an administrator. Like it, mm. it feels like it's it's super scary, but when it when you get into it, it's it's rewarding. Mm. Okay, so got to pick one: the original Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick. Which one are we taking? Ooh, that's a tough one. I gotta go original. I I love the original one. The the remake, the Maverick one, is very very good. But I think I'll always hang on to to the original. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I haven't had to answer that question yet. I kind of avoided it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was the first car you ever had? Um, a Mustang convertible. Nice. Okay. Uh, now we're going to play a game of over under. So we're going to, we're going to say something. You tell us, is this thing overrated or is it underrated? If you want to okay. tell us why you feel that way, you can. So over under pineapple on pizza. Overrated. Hmm. Over under the Willis tower glass platform in Chicago. Underrated. It is <laughs> legit. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights, So I'm like scared to death. And I still call it the Sears Tower. I don't even call it the Willis Tower. <laughs> if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, there were a couple of adjectives there that did not come out. That, that's yeah. really cool. That was first. Yeah. You need to watch this one on, on YouTube because your face right there said it all. That was great. <laughs> uh, over under vanilla ice cream. Underrated. I like I like vanilla with then I drizzle a little chocolate on it. You know, you get the best of both. All right, last over under movie sequels. Overrated. I think there's been too many that have been bad. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, what is an AD hack that you use? Maybe something that saves you time, but it gets the job done. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think just writing stuff down on a, a notebook. Like I, I used to have post-it notes all over the place. And it was gratifying to tear off the post-it note and kind of toss it, toss it off. Um, I do that, or I put everything into my calendar. I live by my my digital calendar, so even if it's like following up with somebody, I put a note in my calendar so it pops up to remind me. That's good. All right, another movie question. They have lots of movie stuff in this two-minute drill. What movie will you stop and watch every time you see it's on TV? Goonies, hands down. Oh, that's a good one. I love it. (laughs) 
That is a good one. Uh, all right. So this is a question that we've asked our guests this season. So if we are coming to your house for dinner, okay. So if Josh and I get on a plane, we're coming to your house. What is on the menu? What is the go-to dish? Uh, well, I'm a firm believer that you need to know your strengths and your weaknesses and the kitchen is not my strength. Okay. So we are either going out for pizza <laughs> or I'm having my best friend smoke brisket, chicken wings, ribs, and uh, pork shoulder. I can do either. Yeah, yeah. Sign, <laughs> sign me up for that. That's good. Yeah, I can do either one of those little deep dish pizza up there in Chicago. Yeah, it's good. I haven't found better pizza than in Chicago. I just haven't. That's good. That's right. All right, let's finish with this. Our trademark question today, Jen Doty, you've been hanging with the ADs, but let's say you can hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think someone who has passed, probably Pat Summit. I would love to just kind of pick her brain um, over what she had to, you know, go through as a player and as a coach and how she built a, a winning program. But alive, um, I would say John Gordon or even Steve Kerr. I would love to kind of pick their brains about culture and and how to build it and how I can do a better job of um, helping my my coaches build it. Very good, Jen. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time today. You've helped us uh, and our listeners with your words, and, and for that, we are incredibly grateful. So thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Wow, what an encompassing conversation with Miss Jen Doty from Stag High School in Illinois. Today, I think we learned so much that we will want to replay this episode from time to time throughout the year, maybe the beginning of a summer as you reflect and then plan for the next year. I tell you what, there was just so much here. Jen talked about the importance of being nationally certified if you're an athletic administrator in the middle and high school space. She also talked about developing yourself personally and professionally, especially through reading books and how that leaders are readers. Man, she goes on to talk about how to help your physical health and your mental health through exercise and personal time alone. Then she talked about bringing positivity to your culture and to your building if you're in a, in, in a school building. Uh, just Just so, so much here. Uh, how to develop your athletes through a leadership camp that she has created this summer. I look forward to learning more about that, as many of you do. And then she talked about a conflict that I think all of us leaders struggle with, that conflict of being a manager versus being a leader. We all have to manage expectations and manage the uh, accountability side, the administrative side of it. But how are we leading our people? How are we inspiring and growing our people is what Jen talked about there. Oh, what what a challenge here. I tell you what, once again, I can't wait to listen to this one again, maybe at the beginning of next summer, maybe over spring break if, as I start to reflect on a new school year uh, for next school year. I tell you what, just such a, such a wonderful opportunity to get to know uh, Jen Doty, another female administrator who is really been benefited by this uh, Title IX legislation that we celebrate 50 years of. I'm so glad because she made me better today. So I am applauding Title IX because it opened doors for people like Jen Doty. Jen, thanks for being with us today. We so much appreciate your time and your wisdom and your experiences and the lessons that you taught us today. Thank you so much. Good luck to you there at Stag High School 
uh, in Illinois. And for our listeners, we would love for you, as we say always, to stop, hit pause, uh, give us a rating, you know, maybe five stars there. We'd love to get five stars in that rating, but uh, rate us on your uh, platform. Give us a review. Shoot us something uh, either through email or social media. We'd love to hear from you and love to know what you think of the Hanging with the AD podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, it is an honor and a privilege to get your time. And as we say always, thank you for spending your time hanging with the AD. Thank you.